This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. How are we doing this morning? Good. Awesome. Remember last week we talked about um, it is not only okay, it is encouraged to, uh, to, to, to respond back. Um, you can respond back with any type of um, positive affirmation, please. If it's negative, um, hold your negativities until afterwards, and then Mike will field all of those um, one by one. Uh, but, but seriously, though, um, just in case you're like, why is he talking about this? For me personally, maybe not everybody's the same way. I do know for Mike when he preaches, Stephen the same, Charlie when he's leading music, um, it, it's, it's tough. Like, this is hard. Um, and so then having, like, kind of a, an engagement, it actually helps. It helps us, which then helps everybody. Um, and so don't hesitate just to chime in and be like, yeah, here, here, or whatever that is, right? Um, you know, apparently throwing shoes are a good thing. Um, Somebody did that. No, that was a good thing. Someone did that on American. No, the voice. The voice? Don't do it. Don't do it. Stephanie says don't do it. Don't throw shoes. Um, so anyways, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Uh, we are in our, our second week of just this mini series out of Mark that, that we are calling Abide. Um, and I love that song that we just sang. It's really the, um, the emphasis of today's sermon. Um, do you believe? Like, do you believe that Jesus is better? Do you believe that he is the, the way, the truth, and the life, and that ultimately his way is better? All times, all places, all ways, do you truly believe? Because it's that faith in him that, that is foundational and must come first if we're going to abide in him, if we're going to, to follow him. We've got to truly believe that he is the truth and that he is better. So last week we kicked it off, and it was an important week, uh, and so I want to recap it, because I know several of you weren't here, um, and so maybe you weren't able to catch it on the podcast or, or whatever, um, and so I just want to recap real quick. You and I were created on purpose for a purpose. You are not here, and I'm not just talking here like here, but you're not here on this earth living, breathing, existing by chance and by accident, at least not according to the Bible. The Bible teaches, Psalm 139 is a great psalm that kind of gives that, like you were intricately woven and put together with pristine detail by God himself. Acts 17 talks about how he determined the boundaries and the time period with which you live. Right, so the fact that you're living in Austin right now, God and his sovereignty knew that and had a, had a play in that and planned that for you, right? We're created on purpose for a purpose. And one of the biggest questions in humanity is like, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do with my life? And there's specific purposes that we can all chase after, but most often God's plan, his big purpose for you is this. And so if you weren't here, you didn't catch it, or you were here last week and you just kind of snoozed through the sermon part, then here it is. Here's the recap. Your reason for being is first to be in a loving relationship with God himself. You're created in the image of God to, and we use this, to join him in his divine fellowship. For all of eternity, God himself, the one God has existed in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. For all of eternity, God has existed in perfect, loving communion. 
And God created the world not because he needed anything from me and you. This is huge. It's so freeing and life-giving. God doesn't need our love. His love tank is not running low unless Austin Life Church and the people here are like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna love God. Otherwise, he's gonna be really sad. No, he's okay, right? God is good, and that's good news for us because then that means God creates us and gives to us not to get from us, but to give to us to invite us into this divine fellowship, the fullness of life with God himself. We were created to be in a relationship with him. So God creates humanity and he creates us to live in this perfect loving communion with God himself. That is our first purpose. And then the second thing is that we would demonstrate the love that God has. We would demonstrate that to the world around us. That's why Jesus said the most important commandments are love God and then love others. If we do those, Jesus says, everything else follows underneath that. Every other commandment in the Bible we will do if we first love God and love others. Because that is our primary purpose. The fullness of life that you and I all seek after, the abundance that you want, you want to make the most of today, you want to make the most of tomorrow, you want to get 10 years down the road and not feel like you've wasted it, Love God, love others. That is our primary purpose in life. And Jesus then says in John 15, the only way we do that is by abiding in Christ. To abide means to, it it comes from the noun abode, right? It means to make our home with Jesus, to be connected with Jesus and to remain with him every moment of every day, to abide with him. This is where Susie came into play last week, right? I don't know if you can see it on the the monitor very well. Susie is an orange tree. No, her color is green. Mike literally thought it was an orange, like the color orange tree. And I was like, dude, no, what? Have you ever seen a tree? Um, Anyways, I guess they do turn orange. That's that's unfair. I'm sorry, Mike, you're right. Um, No, it is an orange tree. It is meant to produce oranges, the fruit orange. And so the purpose of Susie is to produce oranges. Yes, Susie may grow big and bring shade, and Susie may grow big and make like a nice little home for a squirrel or something, right, and all these other things, but her primary purpose is to produce oranges. And more specifically, Branchy is well known, man. I've heard Branchy mentioned many times. Um, Branchy is supposed to make oranges as well. But what if Branchy's like, no, 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 let me break away from the tree. I wanna make apples. I'm supposed to be an apple branch. That's what I want to do with my life is, is to make apples. And so, so Branchy breaks away from the tree, from Susie, and sets out on her own to go make apples. What's going to happen to Branchy? She's not going to make apples. You know what else she's not going to make? Oranges. Yeah, this is where we get to chime in, right? This is okay. We're getting there. We're working on it, right? She'll never fulfill her purpose in life separated from the source of life. The tree, Susie. She must abide into the tree, connect, remain with the tree in order for her to fulfill her purpose. And Jesus is saying, hey, people, in order for you to fulfill your purpose in life, in order for us to walk in the fullness of life, we must abide in Jesus. We must be connected to him and remain in him. The question that is for us today is do we truly believe 
that what Jesus is saying is true and that the only way we fulfill our purpose is by abiding in Jesus. Like, do we really believe that? Faith is the foundational, essential element that makes it possible for us to abide with Jesus. Without faith, we will never abide. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we're just gonna talk about faith a bit today. God, even as I talk now, faith is a funny word. I think many times we say we have faith, we think we have faith, but we don't really have faith. And so would you, would you speak to us? Would you open our ears, our spiritual ears, to hear your voice and to show us where we do have faith or we don't have faith? Help us to understand where we are what we trust in and we show us that you are the truth and that your ways are better make our hearts believe fill up the faith where it's lacking in Jesus we pray amen so Jesus says in order for us to live in this purpose we must abide in him we must be connected to him and so we, we gotta ask ourselves Am I abiding in Jesus? All right, ask yourself, are you abiding in Jesus? Jesus very clearly, black and white, like you don't have mince words here, apart from me, apart from abiding in me, you can do nothing. There we go, come on. You can do nothing. You can do nothing. It didn't say some things. It didn't say a few things, nothing, right? So, okay, Jesus, I gotta abide in you. Are you abiding in him? Are we abiding in him? How do you know? Faith is the essential foundational element that connects us to Jesus and keeps us in Jesus. Faith is the essential element that, that connects us to Jesus and also keeps us daily in the presence of Jesus. Now, faith is a tricky word, right? I think faith, we're like, oh, you know, belief, trust, you know, what all these synonyms. Belief is a word that, yeah, it's okay, but belief I don't love because, man, I believe in a lot of things, but I don't necessarily trust in them, right? And there's a, there's a difference. Faith is a trust. It's a conviction that something is true, so much so that we then pattern our lives in response to that truth, Faith is the, the, the trust, it's the conviction that something is true so much so that my life then lives in response to that reality being true, right? So if, if I have two doors and I believe that door is better than that door, if I truly believe that door is better, like really trust it and believe it, which door am I gonna go through? I'm gonna go through that one. That's faith. It moves me to respond to something that I truly believe is true. If there's no response, I probably don't truly believe it's true. I might, but uh, you, you can't call that faith. Let's let Indiana explain it. Anybody familiar with the 1989 blockbuster Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade? Come on, let's date ourselves here. If you haven't seen it, come on, you gotta catch up. Indiana's the best, right? So in this, in this saga, in this drama, this packed emotion, just filled theatrical masterpiece. I couldn't think of any more adjectives. Every amen, there you go. Right? So Indiana is on in the pursuit of the, the Holy Grail. 
It's this cup that is believed that when you drink from it, you will inherit eternal life. Newsflash, Hollywood takes all their cues from the Bible, right? They just repackage it a little bit. But when it all comes down to it, there's a problem, there's a hero, and everybody lives happily ever after. That hero is named Jesus. The problem is sin, right? It's already there. Um, They're just like, let's repackage it, okay? So they're looking for this cup that if you can grab hold of it and drink from it, they will have eternal life. And so they, they come up to this temple, right? And there's all these deadly obstacles they have to traverse and get past in order to, to grab hold of this cup. But if they go the wrong way, man, it may seem right, but it leads to death. Proverbs 14, 12, again, they're just straight taking it from the Bible, right? They go this way, it leads to death, but there is a way that if they walk it, it will lead to life. Now, Indiana has a book, come on, right? Come on, Hollywood. Indiana has a book that is written out, here is the way to the Holy Grail. If you follow this, you, you will live, but it requires faith. It requires trust. We have, an, we have the clip to show you the, the climax of Indiana's step of trust and faith. cinematic masterpiece masterpiece right so there you saw faith in action right even his father is like you've got to believe you've got to you've got to trust now now faith faith real faith is not only believing okay this is the path of life it is believing at such a convictional level that we then step and walk in that path of life real faith moves us to action we surrender to that way he had to trust not only cognitively he had to read what was there and say okay I, I think this is true but he had to surrender his life fully to that way that that is faith and that is trust and so in this case the faith that we have to abide in Jesus is the deep trust that Jesus is the way the truth and the life 
and that nobody comes to the Father except through him and that his ways are better. It, it is the trust, the conviction that moves our life to go, he is right and I will follow him. That, that is faith. If we don't ultimately surrender our lives to that, we may cognitively believe it, but at best we only partially believe it and we believe many other things and we're not actually having the faith that connects us to Jesus. Do you have that faith? Do you truly believe that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life and that his ways are better? Now let me, let me give you the, the opposition to this. From the very beginning, there has been an enemy that is living and present today that wants to convince you that your way is better. That wants to, to let you read the Bible but then give you seeds of doubt. Like, I don't know. Did, did, God, did Jesus really mean to love my enemies and do good to those who persecute me? Like, perhaps it meant to just not hurt them. Right? Surely the active pursuit of doing good to my enemies, Jesus didn't mean that. Right, like, do I really trust him? Do I really believe that, that I'm saved by faith alone, right? So, so the enemy wants to give us these doubts and to convince us that, that loving this world and living in this world is, is better than following Jesus. Do I really want to come clean here to my boss? Do I really want to, to be a person of integrity? The earthly consequences look pretty drastic, but Jesus says to be honest, and to, to put on the light of Jesus, which way is better? Are we going to trust that his way is better when the world is like, I don't know. Are we really going to trust him? That's how we abide, is by having that faith and that trust in Jesus. Now here's what the Bible tells us. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Isaiah 53, it says that we all like sheep have gone astray, each to our own way. And so what you and I know is that every one of us has broken this relationship with God. We have chosen to go our own way. We have taken the lie of the enemy and thought, you know what, I know God says this, but in this case, I think this is gonna be better, and we have gone that way. And that separates us from the relationship of God. That breaks us, like Branchy, from the source of life. Because we have chosen to go our own way. But here's the good news. Priscilla reminded me of this last week and some others. Hope is not lost for Branchy. Like, Branchy doesn't have to be destined to death. Did you know there's multiple ways, actually, that Branchy can continue to live and thrive. One of the ways is that if there is a loving and caring gardener, the gardener can graft Branchy back into the tree. That a gardener can come with a knife and cut out a piece of the root of the trunk and can insert Branchy back into the tree and over time, Branchy can rejoin and be reconnected to the source of life. Now from the outside looking in, you got Branchy over here and you got some you know, crazy person coming at a tree with a knife and you're like, this is gonna go bad, right? But it's actually through the cuts in the tree that Branchy can be reunited back into the source of life and be rejoined into the abundant life that she was destined to have, purposed to have. And, and the same is true for us. 
that while we have walked away, while we have chosen the path of branchy and we have set out in a way that will ultimately lead to death, we have a loving and gentle gardener, a father in heaven who has cut his son so that we can be rejoined back into the source of life that is God himself. Like, let's let that imagery sink in for a second because it changes everything for eternity. We have a loving Father who has loved us, who have walked away on our own so much that he was willing to cut his son so that by his stripes, you and I can be healed and can be grafted back into a relationship with God. We were the ones that walked away. We were the ones that broke ourselves off from fellowship with him. And in love, he pursued us. And he laid down his life and sacrificed himself so that we can be made right and rejoined, reconnected back into a relationship with God. Ephesians 2, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, just gives such a beautiful picture of the, the breaking and then the reconnecting done by God through his grace. So Ephesians chapter two, we just want to read verses one through nine. God's word says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were branchy. You broke away from the relationship with God we were created to have. And thus we were dead in our sins and trespasses dead. You were dead in the sins and trespasses in which you once walked, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Y'all listen to me. The devil is a lying, thieving deceiver who wants nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy. And we've all followed after his leadership among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse four, the turning point in the story, but God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You'll listen to the kindness of God. What can Branchy on her own do to be reconnected to the tree? Yes. Like it's a branch, right? Like sh this branch is not going to up and on its own power graft herself back into the tree. Here's what we've got to realize. We are as helpless in connecting ourselves back to God as Branchy is in connecting herself back to a tree. On our own, 
we are as, I mean, Branchy might have a better shot even to rejoin perfect fellowship with a holy God. I don't know about y'all, but my record of sin is far too exhaustive and long for me to be like, oh no, I can, I can handle this. I can clean this mess up as I just pour more on the ground, right? We are helpless on our own to connect ourselves back to God. We need God to move first. And that is what grace is. Grace moves first and gives a gift to an undeserving recipient. Grace moves first where someone can't move for themselves and brings a gift into an undeserving recipient. And so we had separated ourselves from God and the grace of God is that while we were still sinners, Christ, God himself, comes and lives among us as one of us. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. Why is it important for Jesus to live? Because you and I have to present ourselves with a perfect record of life to the holy God. When we stand before God, we have to give him, hey, here's my record of life, and it's perfect, sinless, spotless, righteous. And so Jesus comes and he lives that life for us. Not because we asked him to, not because we deserved it, but because the grace of God moved first. And he comes and he lives this life for us, and then he dies on the cross so that our record of sin can be buried and burned and put away for all of eternity. Not that we're perfect, not that we don't know that we've messed up, but before God, in front of God, our sins are nailed to the cross and left in the tomb. God doesn't see us through the lens of our sin anymore. So Jesus, by the grace of God, comes and moves first and lives for us and then dies for us, and then the grace of God continues and completes the restoration circle and he rises from the dead and he ascends to heaven so that he can offer us the great exchange. He will take away our sin and give us his righteousness and we can be rejoined back into the presence and fellowship of God. God did all of that while we were still actively sinning. While we were still pursuing our own ways, thinking we know best, living for ourselves, God did all of that. He moved first. That is the grace of God that we read in Ephesians 2, that while we were dead in our sins, God is rich in love and mercy, and he pursued us through Jesus. So does this mean that everybody's a Christian? Does this mean that the whole world is our Christians? Are we, are we born Christians because we're born into a Christian family? The answer is no. We naturally disconnect from God. We naturally go our own way. We're not all not born into a relationship with God. So how then do we have this abiding relationship? Faith. Faith is the foundational peace that we must have to have a relationship with God. Ephesians 2, one through seven, it describes the grace of God. He moved first, then we get to verse eight. By grace you have been saved through, what's the word? Faith. By the grace of God that he came first, that he did everything we need to be rejoined back into fellowship with God, we can have a relationship by God's grace through faith. 
when we trust and surrender that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody is rejoined back into a relationship with the Father except through Jesus. It's that faith that trusts and surrenders fully to the gospel of Jesus. Now let me be clear. Branchy cannot both trust and be connected to the tree and also trust and go her own way. We do not receive the grace of God with one hand and say, yes, I want a relationship with God and with the other hand, hold tightly to our way and our sin. It does not mean we're perfect. It just means, Jesus, I will surrender everything to you. And 10 years down the road, when you open my eyes that I've been living wrong the whole way, I will give that up too. Because to trust Jesus is to fully surrender. He says in Luke 9, you wanna come after me? Awesome, come on. But it means that you're gonna die to yourself. You're going to lay down your selfish ways and you're going to trust fully and surrender all to me. That's how I lived until I was 15. I mean, I was raised in the church. I would have told you the same thing. I've always been a Christian. I don't remember a day where I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in this story. I, didn't be, I, didn't, I don't remember that. And so when I was seven, I prayed some prayer because I didn't want to go to hell because hell's terrible. And so I prayed some prayer asking Jesus into my heart so I can go to heaven. So I was like, yes, I got heaven. But really, I still wanted to hold tightly to my own reputation and popularity. Yes, I want heaven and I will do these things, but I'm also going to do these things. And Jesus says, hey, rich young ruler, you want to follow after me? Great, you have to leave your wealth. You have to let go of that which you hold so tightly to and hold only onto me. You want to follow me, you have to let, be willing to let go of everything. And that doesn't mean that God's not going to make some people rich. It's not ultimately about money. It's about what are we holding onto in our heart. Do I trust fully and hold on to him, willing to surrender everything to him? And yes, that's gonna be a work in progress along the way. None of us are there. None of us have arrived. But are you willing to work? Are you willing to, as Charlie let us, confess and repent again? Confession, repentance should be a, let's be honest, we all sin daily, daily activity where we lay back down the sin that we picked up again and we say, no, no, Jesus, I'm following you. And so for me, when I was 15, those lights came on. And I heard God like I'd never heard him before. And this is what he told me. I still hear it. I was at camp. It was a Thursday, and I still hear it. And he said, Corey, you can either live for me or you can live for yourself, but you cannot do both. And it was like the lights came on for me, and I saw clearly, oh, I'm, I'm, all, I'm following you. And just ask Stephanie. I got plenty of sin that's come after that point. It's not that I was perfect, but it's like, no, no, I will surrender to you. I will lay down myself because I trust you. Have you trusted Jesus like that? Not just do you know about him, not just could you come up here and draw the diagram and tell it, but like, have you trusted in Jesus alone to rejoin you into fellowship with God himself? Man, for some of you that happened a long time ago and you're walking this out, Others of you, you're like, I don't exactly know when, but I know where I am today. Could have been a month ago, could have been a year ago, but today, yes, I trust and I believe this. And for others, maybe, maybe right now, the light's coming on and you're hearing God tell you, okay, 
I can trust and surrender to him or I can go my own way, but there's no going both. Do you trust him? This is how we are rejoined into a relationship with God is by faith, saving faith. But faith isn't just a one and done thing. Faith is a moment by moment growing process. When we trust Christ, then we continue to choose and believe that he is the truth, that his words are true and his ways are better. That's how we remain with Christ, right? So we have this faith and we're saved, right? But Jesus tells us to abide. It's this ongoing, progressive, ongoing reality. And so we continue to remain in Jesus when moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance, situation by situation, we choose that Jesus's way is true and his ways are better. Therefore, I will follow him. So when Jesus tells us in John 15, hey, apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. Here's where our faith comes in. If you're a Christian, here's where the faith comes in. Do you really believe that? Because if we do really believe that, what will we do? We will abide. We will learn what it means to abide in Jesus and to remain in him. But if we're like, you know, then, then we'll head out our own way. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It just means that we're like, yeah, hanging off, right? Like we're, we're not fully connected. When, when Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, do we really take him at his word? Or are there some neighbors that we don't really have to do that so much with because, you know, they're difficult. Or they've wronged us. When God says in Isaiah 43, fear not, for I am with you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. The fires, they will not overtake you. Do we really believe that God is with us here and now? Because the scripture tells us when we do, we will not have fear. At least the fear that controls us from moving forward in obedience. I mean, that's the one that gets me. Where I'm like, okay, God, I know this to be true, but I oftentimes think of you as there and then, not so much here and now. Do, do we trust that God is here with us? Do we trust Romans 8 that says, when you've trusted Christ, the spirit of Christ indwells you? That when we go and we're at home alone and no one else knows what's going on, the Spirit of God is with us and knows. Do we trust that and believe that? I think if we truly do, it's going to shape how we make decisions. But I think reality, we think God's there, over there, up there in heaven. And forget that how we respond now actually grieves and wounds the Holy Spirit in us. Because we don't truly believe that he's in us and among us? Do we believe Ephesians 1 that says the Holy Spirit is going to do immeasurably great things within us or do we just kind of live by the power of our own strength? Trust in what we can accomplish. And so we never take steps of faith because it doesn't make sense to us. Or do we, in moment by moment, trust that the Spirit of God is with us and he can do far more abundantly than we can think or imagine? 
Do we truly believe his words to be true? To remain in Christ is a moment by moment abiding in him and that happens first by faith. Do we truly believe his words are true? Do we believe that his ways are better? Today, the, the devil is going to come and try and entice you that the way of the world is better. And here's the reality. Y'all probably know, we all probably know how. Like we could probably list out, yeah, here's the ways that I tend to be tempted away from God. Do you believe that the way of Jesus is better? That's, that's faith. Like, do you really believe it's better? That's, that's the faith that he's talking about. When Satan comes and tells you it would be better just to keep the truth hidden, I mean, just, a, just a, tell a partial truth, right? Just a little white lie. Are, are we gonna trust in Ephesians 4 when he tells us do not lie to one another because we've put away the old ways? That his way is better even when the human earthly consequences don't seem so great? Are we gonna trust that man, in his goodness, he's got something better even through this trial? When Satan entices us to chase the fleeting pleasures of sin, are we gonna trust that holiness is better? that God doesn't command us to be holy because he needs us to be holy. He commands us to be holy because it's for our good and his glory. Are we gonna trust that his ways are better than the fleeting pleasures of sin? Are we gonna trust him? When the pressures and the busyness of life start to crowd us out and make, sh- make us anxious, are we gonna trust that the better thing is to slow down and sit and be with Jesus even when our to-do list laughs at that possibility? Are we gonna trust, okay, God, this doesn't make sense in my schedule, but apparently your way is better. I'm going. We abide in Christ by a faith that he saves us alone. That on our own, we're as good as branchy. But that God in Jesus has done everything we need and we simply receive that gift and he rejoins us into a relationship with God. Do we trust that supernatural, miraculous event? And then after that, in the moment by moment, do we still trust that his words are true and his ways are better? And that's how we daily remain abiding in Jesus. Do you trust him? Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.